Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to another LeaderGov podcast. We're really uh, glad to have you today. My name is Bill Stark. I'm one of the co-founders of LeaderGov, along with Tim Finbert. And our team is um, excited to share with you another great topic today on economic development. And uh, at LeaderGov, as you all know, we love what we do. We're passionate about helping um, uh, local government leaders thrive and flourish and we do that through a number of resources, our training cohort programs, uh, workshops that we provide uh, across the country. And so we're really excited today on this podcast to bring a really needed topic, uh, we think, to the table, and that's economic development. And we have a terrific guest. Um, his name is Gerard Gibbert, and he lives in Jackson, Mississippi, or Madison County, Mississippi. And uh, Gerard is... Um, uh, historically, for many years, been a technology entrepreneur, and um, we'll talk a minute about these other things. Gerard, a board member of the Madison County Economic Development Authority for a number of years, and then also a radio host for a statewide radio show in the state of Mississippi. So all that being said, how you doing, Gerard? Good to see you. Hey, Bill. Good to see you, too. Good to be with you. Yeah. Thank you for... Um, carving out some time to, to spend with us today on this really in, important topic. I know we m had a chance to meet several months ago, maybe last fall, and we were talking about some of the economic development successes that you all were having in central Mississippi, where you are just outside of Jackson. And I tell you, I was really encouraged, uh, this blending of the business community and the local government community to do some really outstanding things for the betterment of our communities, right? The workforce, our, our quality of life. And so I was really jazzed after that. And so we connected and stayed in touch. And I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to share. So I want to jump right in. Um, so if you could just give us kind of a, a quick background on, on your history in business and kind of how you got engaged with the Madison County uh, Economic Development Authority. Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, happy to, Bill. So, uh, I, as you mentioned, I'm a technology entrepreneur. I, I had uh, the itch uh, back in 1985, actually, to uh, start my own business. And that's after spending uh, just under six years with one of the big, at the time, eight accounting firms. Now it's uh, big four accounting firms, as, as most people are aware. Uh, and that was uh, Arthur Anderson. I worked in the division that became Accenture and focused on uh, IT solutions and IT systems, really, really large scale uh, private sector uh, fortune company and public sector systems. And saw this PC revolution coming on and decided to get into that business. And I guess the rest is history. We grew that uh, business and kind of followed all the ebbs and flows and the evolution of the industry, went to Wall Street, raised a fair amount of money. Uh, for, to pursue an acquisition strategy and acquired five companies from 2014 to 2018. And then the board decided it was time to sell the company and, and monetize uh, our efforts. And so we hired an investment banker, went to the markets and ended up closing a transaction, selling the company to a slightly larger version of our company. And that was, uh, was completed in January 2019. Uh, Stayed on for about five months uh, per their request uh, and was overseeing their acquisition strategy. And then they had some change and went from being a public company to a private company and decided that they were going to put a, a pause on acquisitions, no longer needed my services. And 
ended up uh, where I am today. I'm hosting a statewide uh, radio show. I've uh, always been a fairly uh, interested in politics and the political realm. This is this is kind of an outlet that focuses a lot, especially on state politics. And so I've been doing that about a year and a half, 10 to 1 every day, middays with Gerard Gibbert. Um, I, I joined the Madison County Economic uh, Development Authority back in uh, 2018. And in Mississippi, uh, each county has a board of supervisors and the supervisors in, in Madison County, where, where I reside, uh, we have this Madison County Economic Development Authority. Each supervisor appoints a member to that organization. Uh, and then the president at the time, when uh, the term is up for the at-large member, has the, uh, has the right to appoint an at-large member. I'm actually the at-large member uh, for the county, for the entire county, as opposed to representing, if you will, a specific district within the county. But uh, it's a board of seven, and our job is to foster economic development you know, throughout the county of Madison. I've served as the board chairman for a year and a half during my four years. Um, I just rolled off of that. But we've had some incredible successes. Uh, and I think to a great extent, Bill, that's because there is a concerted effort and a, and a strong interest on the part of the communities, the, the uh, municipalities within the county, the county board of supervisors, uh, the citizens in general, and certainly those of us who serve on that board. We're pretty serious about uh, developing our economy. I should point out that Madison County is a bit unique in the state of Mississippi. Uh, Mississippi is, is uh, widely known, regrettably, for being a, a rather impoverished state. But the county of Madison uh, has a per capita and a household income that actually exceeds the national average by a decent amount. It is the only of the 82 counties in Mississippi with that distinction. Mm. So oh. it, uh, it's, a, it's a different, it's kind of a, a different setting, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, and so there, there's a lot of interest, as you can imagine, from potential businesses to move into Madison County. They're aware of this. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I've enjoyed my time. I hope to stay on uh, for a longer period of time. I, I guess it's fair to say I was asked to join because of my building a business in the county and having a lot of experience in, in uh, economic development, uh, I guess, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that background. I wanted to ask you about, I know that in your part of the state, uh, there's a, a fairly significant auto influence, automotive industry influence. And, um, and Amazon, of course, is, has made commitments there in your area. And, you know, today I really wanted to explore some of the pluses and the minuses, right? That what's, what's going on that, that's worked well between private industry and local government in terms of economic development? And what are some things that haven't worked well? But I want to start out with a, a kind of a success story. And if you would just share a little bit about MS at 55, that's Interstate 55 for folks that don't know, that goes from Chicago to New Orleans, I guess. And, uh, but it's MS at 55. And, and what you all did there to spur economic development in general, just touch on it briefly because it's a great story. And then I want to ask you about a, a kind of a loss, kind of a missed opportunity for economic development there in the state. So I, I'd like you to share if you don't mind. Sure, sure. So MS55 is, is sort of the brand that uh, our board uh, adopted to, uh, uh, to label 
this, uh, what we call a mega site is what we called it prior to the MSF 55. But we were looking for something a little catchy, something we could brand, something we could promote and market. And, and we thought that made sense. And it also, of course, uh, captures in the name the fact that we're just a stone's throw away from uh, a, a major interstate system, Interstate 55, which, as you indicated, uh, goes all the way up to Chicago and, and further south as well, down to uh, essentially to the coast. Um, but there was a, a decision made by uh, the board, uh, the Economic Development Board, a few years ago to acquire this land. So the way, the way our funding works is a, a, a percentage, I can't remember the exact amount, but a percentage of the property tax millage that um, is the primary source of income to the county to operate the county to provide county services. Uh, there's a piece of that that's carved out in accordance with um, uh, county policy, county standards. Uh, this, this came about decades ago that funds our group, the Mass County Economic Development Authority. So what we basically do is we're, we're, we're looking for land, honestly. We're looking for land that uh, we can acquire, that uh, we then can turn into uh, productive use for possible location of, of, of business, of private enterprise. So we had this idea, this, this parcel that we really, really liked that uh, we ended up having to negotiate, of course, as you do with all the property owners, and, and we called it for the longest time the mega site, I guess, for lack of a better term. But we recently, uh, let's say within the last six months, rebranded it to this MS at 55. But we also felt that rather than just having this raw land and I guess in entertaining prospective suitors, kind of asking them to just envision what your building would look like on this land that's that's uh, in Mississippi, as you know, is. Uh, when I say raw land, it's pretty raw land. We've got lots, a big stand of lots of uh, pine trees, hardwoods, and a lot of underbrush. And and there's also it's a little bit rolling. We have we have uh, to deal with uh, water flow and and um, sort of natural collection areas that are that are issues, of course. So you can't really get the picture of that like you can when it's finished and looks like it's ready to go and best analogy I think I could make would be when you're thinking about a private residence. You know, you've heard lots of, of, of real estate advisors say when your house looks like it's ready to move in, live in right now, even if you're living in it currently, that often sells better than just a, you know, a big open shell. Mm. And we sort of applied that same logic. And so we made the investment with some of the funding we get to really clean this site up and, and prep it such that you don't have to think too hard to see what your building would look like on it. So we uh, we work with landscape architects and engineers and planners to, to really clean the site up and, and leave a lot of the, the beautiful old pine trees and hardwoods there, but a more more sparsely separated. And then we cleaned and grubbed everything underneath. We installed a really nice um two-way boulevard with a neutral ground, ground in it, installed this really nice looking MS at 55 sign. I think I may have sent that to you. Landscaped it nicely. We've got our own well and water supply. That's underway. We've got, we've got uh, the cell phone companies all building towers and so forth. And but, power but, too, right? Yes, exactly. And I was going to yeah. say, honestly, Bill, that, that we have learned I certainly have learned. I think people have been in economic development uh, longer than I have get that. But what I've learned is just how critical it is to have that electrical and that energy infrastructure. 
and persuading our power company, our local utility here to make that investment, sort of betting on uh, the future and, and really outfit it with top-notch, plentiful, abundant electricity right there near the site, that was key and that was critical because so many of the suitors come in and that's one of the big questions is, can we get the necessary power we need for whatever kind of operation we're running? So bottom line is, I think, between the, the actual site um, the, the, the site look and the site presentation, the power, the access to the interstate. We have rail, the boulevard, the signage, the branding. I think all that really has contributed to the success of that site. Yeah. And uh, happy to report that we just launched the grand opening, been in the works about a year and a half of an Amazon fulfillment center that's um, uh, 700,000 square feet in terms of its uh, square footage on one floor, but it's a three, four facility. So you can do the math there. Mm. And it's up and running with 1500 employees. We thought we were gonna wow. have a thousand and we learned last week at our meeting that they've hired 1500 and uh, it, it's an impressive. And of course that becomes a springboard for other prospects to right. see that. Um, it's kind of like the old days. I remember that, that when McDonald's was building restaurants all over the country, the, the Wendy's and the Burger King strategy was just to open up near them. So right. they, they would let McDonald's do all the investment in the site selection. Oh, wherever McDonald's is, their, their formula works good. We're going to go near them. So a little yeah. bit of that at play well, here. So. Well, you know, as you, as you think about that project, um, were there any naysayers or were there cities in the county or county officials uh, that – didn't get it or, or were hard to bring along? And what was that? Did you have that tension? And what was it like? Because listening to our podcast today, of course, we've got city managers, county managers, and probably economic development directors on, and, and they know a lot of these things you're talking about. But I just, I really wanted you to share, you know, you have this sort of private industry perspective that local government people do not have. And kind of jumping to a, a, a different topic, really, which is, what are those, from your perspective, those those ingredients, and and where do you see local government kind of falling short, where they might need to get a different perspective or a different motivation? Where how can we, how could you suggest local government maybe adjust the way they think about economic development? Yeah, I, I think it's a good question, and, and I have thought about that. Uh, it, I think what really made this happen is that everybody understood the potential risk, right? So you're making an investment and you're buying a bunch of land as we did several hundred acres. And then we were making significant investment in, in cleaning it up and prepping it and preparing it uh, the way we did. Uh, and then of course, working with a power company and they took a risk. So I, I, I would kind of describe it as a shared risk, if you will. We understood we all can benefit here if we're successful, but we all got to share in the risk here. We can't just just hang that on one party. Yeah. Who who led? Because that's a tough conversation, right? You yeah. know, you hey, got we upside downside. Somebody kind of needs to be a salesman, right? And yeah. step in and, and and really promote this thing. Who who did that? And is that kind of a skill the people on the board that that facilitated that? Yeah, I think that effort was primarily uh, led by, and we could credit our executive director, uh, who, who is excellent. He's extremely aggressive. 
And uh, he's, he's, he's got a vision. He's a visionary. That's critical if you're in this, this line of work, obviously. And I think he, he very successfully persuaded the board and, and others that this really made sense. And, uh, and he also worked very closely with the utility company to, to make that happen, to make that a reality. And so all those pieces, I think, came together. But he led the effort. Uh, the board certainly was supportive of him, gave him the resources he needed and, uh, and assured him that when we started getting contacted by prospects, that we would, he would have the assets and the resources he needed to pull them across the finish line. And that really came about when, when Amazon came calling, they were aware of it. They came calling, they made the selection. And, and I got to share this because it's something I'm very proud of is when we had the grand opening of the Amazon facility, uh, this is about six weeks ago, before the, the ceremony started, I happened to be visiting with the individual who is uh, the, the main um, primary manager of the site. And, and it seems from what I can tell, his role in the company is to launch these sites, get them online, get them up and running, and then he moves on to another one. And I asked him what he thought about the site in general. And we were standing right at the doorstep of this pristine, fantastic Amazon facility, looking about these several hundred acres. And he told me this, I've been to many, many Amazon fulfillment centers. I'm quoting him now. He said, this by far is the best setting of any of them. That's just not something, honestly, Bill, we expect to hear in Mississippi. You're an old Mississippi and we normally don't expect to hear ourselves on the top of a good list. And I said, well, this is what our goal was that this worked. Yeah. And that, so, so gratifying to hear that, but yeah. Yeah. I, there's so many people involved. It's also, we got to point out that we also made the investment, took the risk. We hired professional marketing um, organization to help us uh, really promote and produce some materials, video and written materials, printed materials, et cetera. That also went a long way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you also mentioned the other day when we were chatting about this over-reliance on tax incentives. And I recall you had a couple of thoughts on that, that, that might be helpful to folks, or maybe other people are seeing this as well right now. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that if, if you dig uh, back uh, a few years ago, certainly within 10 years, that uh, tax concessions, tax abatements, tax incentives, typically were the deal makers or breakers when a prospect was trying to decide on where to locate uh, a business, uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's a, a plant, a distribution facility, retail facility, what have you. That was a big factor in that. But what we've seen certainly in the last three to four years is that that doesn't even enter the conversation, honestly. And in fact, by far in a way at the top, which just really exceeds any other issues, is availability of qualified workforce. I don't think that comes as a surprise to a lot of people, but there's another area where we made a concerted effort to work with the community colleges, to work with the cities, to work with our state resources there. We have a great organization called Accelerate Mississippi that specializes in workforce development and really has some great programs for that. We have this facility in North Mississippi called the Community and it is a joint effort uh, between a community college and the local private businesses designed to train their people, work with them on, on tailoring programs to prepare staff to, or, or individuals to be staff and go to work with these companies. So they're getting specific training where when they go to the company, they're ready to hit the streets running. 
that's what they want by far. That's the top uh, item in the conversation. Yeah. You, you also mentioned uh, just a moment ago, this idea of, 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 of hiring someone to help kind of tell your story and, and do some marketing. Um, I, I, we often see, I mean, local governments have PIOs that are very talented and they're, they're good at, you know, communicating on Facebook press releases and this kind of thing. I think for um, it's safe to say a lot of cities and counties are now stepping up their game in terms of branding and really being able to tell their story. But could you just, kind of share a little bit about how you all told your story, you know, the quality of life, the statistics around housing, the safety, education, all those things that you all had to really organize to tell an effective story. Could you just share a little bit about how you all expressed who you were to other people? Yeah. You know, I, I think probably the, at a high level, what I would say is we tried to showcase the best of our area. I mean, that's really what it was about. We want you to see the best, because so often people that haven't been in Mississippi, as I think you well know, Bill, they have a misconception about our state. Yeah. And, and that's many of whom, almost all of whom have never been here. They've not experienced it firsthand. When they get here, they say, gee, this isn't what I thought it was. We're trying to just dispense with that before they ever get to us so they don't mark us off the list. We want to be included in, in for consideration. And so... I think we put together some materials and most recently a video is kind of done in an interesting sort of Pac-Man theme, uh, believe it or not, that uh, was, was just really, really well done that I think showcases the community, the, the MS at 55 site specifically, uh, our, our workforce, our people, our culture, the diversity of our culture, the quality of life here. It, it did all the above with statistics and data where we actually, we actually uh, come out uh, looking better than a lot of other areas that I think, without digging into it, were thought uh, by people out on the outside, no way you could compete with these guys. And then they find out, well, yeah, you're actually doing better than they are. So that's been very valuable in our efforts. And I'm pleased to report our pipeline right now is excellent. Our board meets uh, monthly, like a lot of boards do, and we review that pipeline, among other things, of course. But uh, it's, it's very exciting where we are. This mega site's going to be a big hit, no doubt about it. Well, you mentioned something earlier about when, we, when you were mentioning workforce development that caught my ear. And you, you mentioned all the different workforce agencies and organizations in the state and uh, working with the cities and other entities to help do their part to, to bring about this workforce that's needed. And I, it just brought to mind the word teamwork. And, and it sounds like you all have really begun to not crack the code, but, but really embrace this idea of it's a team and it requires everybody pitching in. You mentioned risk, shared risk earlier. That's, that's kind of a team thing. And so I, I just wonder, if, again, for the local government leaders listening, um, you know, how can they go about creating that kind of um, team or that that uh, what, 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 what advice would you have for them in terms of reaching out to constituents, business, businesses, other boards, other entities? How important is that in the whole mix? It's incredibly important. And, and I think uh, what you're probably going to encounter is some degree of naysaying, right? Just, just uh, unwillingness to acknowledge and accept that this is a successful strategy. And so 
what what I would recommend to anybody is take a look at the people that are doing this successfully. What what's their formula? What are they doing? Emulate that. I mean, if it's working, you want to be like them, right? And uh, that's true in life in general. Uh, our executive director came from the Golden Triangle area of Mississippi, Northeast uh, Corridor, Columbus, Starkville um, area, and and they and they have kind of a regionalized economic development group. That's where our executive director came from. But the present executive director, whom he works for. He's kind of legendary. He's been featured on 60 Minutes for the work he's done with respect to building the economy um, and economic de- development efforts in that area, in that region. That's where this community is located. He just landed a really, really nice big deal to manufacture um, specialized vehicles that work longshore. It's a company that's that's uh, uh, from Europe that has no presence in the U.S. and their very first presence in the U.S. is going to be um, in Octavia County, Mississippi. So that, that's a big deal. But I, these are really high quality, very aggressive type A personality people that are good at persuading people and they're good at putting teams together and they, and they're and they don't have any issue giving credit where credit is due. They just want to see results and get things done and. And I mean, they're just completely dedicated and committed to it. It's not something you can do part-time. I, you're you're going to get beat by the people that are doing it full-time if you're doing it part-time. And, it, and it's kind of an afterthought. He's got to be front and center. I think we've promoted that attitude here in our county and our communities. And that's been key. Yeah, I, I just, I'm really enamored by this idea of, you know, overcoming the negatives, being a, a sales person, you know, pushing through these, barriers and forming teams and sharing risk. And a lot of those things aren't natural in the government space. You know, these are very uh, uh, kind of aggressive marketing type ideas. Now, now teamwork is is a universal idea, of course, but I I just really like the way that you all have kind of coalesced around a vision and this team idea and sort of shared risk. But I, I, I do believe it starts with a vision, right? having right. a visionary leader who says this is where we need to be. And I guess our encouragement today to local government leaders listening is, is to be bold and to have a firm vision that you're committed to and excited about and motivated. And to the degree that you can muster up you know, some sales energy that's right. Uh, positive sales energy around your community and your your facilities and land and so forth, and you know all, all the better. Um, we see it, of course, a lot in the private industry, but but it feels different, of course, in the public sector. No doubt, uh, and I, I guess it is a little bit, but maybe it doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, I mentioned this um, one last thing. I mentioned this this story earlier that we, where there was kind of a missed opportunity of economic development in the state of Mississippi that you were uh, uh, certainly aware of, maybe connected to, I don't know. And it had to do with the Mississippi flag. As we kind of wind down, could you just share with us, uh, I hate to end on a kind of a missed opportunity story, but maybe we can learn from, you know, a missed opportunity of of leveraging the the flag topic. Yeah, well, the state of Mississippi, of course, uh, historically has always had to overcome some of the stigmas and the misconceptions. I I mean, I encountered that in in business, frankly. Um, But I got to tell you, it always ended positively because when I was going to Wall Street and raising money, 
uh, I would always pose the question at some point during the during the pitches, is there any reservations about making an investment in a Mississippi-based company to people that have never been to Mississippi, probably never met a Mississippi, and not one time did I ever get a no to that. You know, it, it, every person is like, no, we invest in good management, good companies, good value propositions, which is what it should be. And that's the same here. Our world is, is uh, I think, such that there is fear. There's no doubt. There's fear in the private sector for any kind of retribution that might come about based on certain moves they make that, that might be in their best interest from a, a business perspective, but they're, they're considered um, some sort of social conflict, shall we say. So our flag was, was a, a stigma that we had to deal with in some economic development efforts because it included embedded in the flag was the uh, Confederate flag, the Confederate battle flag. And that was an issue. Um, and really can't talk about specifically that, but, here, but, but there have been cases where that was a reservation that, that was caused reluctance and uh, and we don't know if that was the driving reason, but it was an issue that came up in, in our recruiting efforts. Um, and so we knew that, you know, we got we got to do away with that so that that's just not a hindrance. So fortunately, in 2020, in the wake of the George Floyd situation, finally, there was um, enough support. There had been support already from many of our state leaders, but there was enough support to get that done. And the citizens of Mississippi went to the ballot to choose a replacement flag, um, and, and that is uh, is something that I think is presented in, in very much a good good light, and and we we highlight that we focus on that. I'm kind of sorry that we missed the opportunity. I think I share this with you that I told our state leaders that you know we really ought to promote this deal. We really ought to show the nation, if not the world. Hey, it's New Mississippi. We're we're not stuck 200 years ago like a lot of people think we are. This changing of this flag, I think, exemplifies that we need to promote that for economic development and and, and to attract citizens and maybe get some of our best talent coming out of our universities to stay here and make their homes here. Um, and I felt like we missed that opportunity. It's not that you couldn't do it now, but the reality is most people in this country don't know we changed our flag. It, it never got any fanfare on the yeah. national scene. It did here, of course, yeah. but it never really got the attention. I can also share this with, you know, in the, that happened in the 2020 uh, elect, presidential election. You know that more people voted for the flag than they did for president. It wow. got more. There were people who literally on their ballot did not vote for a presidential candidate. I don't know the reason, but they selected a flag option. <laughs> That's directly from the Secretary of State, who's been on my program many times. So, wow, um, that—that's how big uh, an issue yeah. that was. Now, that, are there people that are mad about that? Well, sure. Are are there? But overwhelmingly, our population, I think, is pleased with where we are, and it's—it's it's just something I think we can use to show. Hey, come to Mississippi. This is the new Mississippi. I wish we would have capitalized on that for for sort of optimum benefit when it happened two years ago, but it's not too late. Yeah. And, and the people we talk to, I promise you, they know it, that we're not stuck in the past like often our reputation would hold that precedes us. But when they get here and they see it, honestly, 
yeah, this all makes sense. What you don't have to answer is, well, this all looks great, Gerard, but you still got this old flag. That's right. what we don't have to deal with anymore. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, this this kind of reminds me uh, of the idea of, um, you know, just removing barriers, right? right. So, again, right. if you go back to economic development, which we're talking about, you know, you do a SWOT analysis, you know, what are our right. weaknesses? And let's identify those things in our community that we know are weaknesses. Let's go work on them invest to overcome them and it could be workforce development is, is a weakness that's right could be a flag whatever and 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 again they'll be aggressive be visionary about it build a team around it and get this common vision so we can get things done uh, more effectively um, I know that um, there are a lot of local governments out there that that want to improve their quality of life want to improve education, uh, uh, average wages in their county. And I, I hope and pray that um, maybe just one or two things we've talked about here today sort of gets them motivated and, and sort of helps them organize some of their thinking around how to build a team and have a vision and, and market themselves more effective, at least, at least provoking them to think a little bit more yeah. about that yeah. and maybe be more I, successful. I, I'll leave you kind of with uh, a statement. I know you've heard this before, but Maybe there's some who are, are tuned in that haven't. But in the sales world, we have a saying that, that goes like this. Perception is reality. And when the customer perceives a certain way, that's reality until you can overcome and undo that perception. You, you may know in your heart it's not true, but if they think it, I promise you, it's figuring into their decision making process. And you, you got to manage that. That's the point. Yeah. So. yeah. You know, one last thought I would I would yeah. that comes to mind is for, again, local government leaders listening that are in a position is, is to find entrepreneurs, find people who um, have a real um, investment and love for the community and a passion for growth and development and all the wonderful aspects of living in a community. Find those folks like, like Gerard Gibbard and, and include them, involve them in your thinking, your planning, your decision making and draw them in because it does take does take a village on these kind of things. And uh, so I would I would recommend that. Well, we're really so pleased that you could spend some time with us, Gerard. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Yeah, we love, um, you know, bringing different topics to local government leaders and this one on economic development. Uh, I was really excited because I knew you had uh, certainly a perspective of a, of a private uh, business person and being on the board. So really appreciate your commitment to the state of Mississippi, my home state, I'm proud to say. And uh, thank you for all you do and hope you have a, a great day. And we will see the listeners uh, podcast listeners, LeaderGov listeners uh, on our next podcast and look forward to talking to y'all soon. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah, have a great day. See you.